right, well, welcome everybody. It's so good to see you guys in person and online. Welcome, my name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church. We're all about helping people follow Jesus, and we want to help you follow Jesus. If I haven't connected with you, I want to. Go to arisedenver.com slash connect. Fill out that form that, that says, I'm me. Press that button. Fill that out. If you're in person online, fill that out. If you do that, we give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission. So we give a gift in your name to help someone um, get out of homelessness, get a meal, all that good stuff. So make sure you do that. I'd love to connect. And please do hang around afterwards. If you're even just like a, a little tiny bit interested in one of those global outreach teams this summer to Mexico or Estonia, hang out even just to find out more. Jimmy Smith is our global outreach coordinator, and he is incredible. He does so many good things. He coaches countries all over, uh, uh, coaches churches all over the country in how to do this, and we get him here. He's part of our church, so we love Jimmy um, that he's here because we're all about bold outreach here. Bold outreach is one of our values, so we say we are boldly sent to seek and love the lost. Like, we're not afraid to go out there, and we do that around the world. We're also doing some cool stuff here locally. We have a new um, refugee ministry that's helping with, uh, you know, right now one family that lives just down the street, Burmese refugees from the, the nation of Myanmar, where there's a ton of conflict, and we get to help them a little bit. So we're excited about that. If you're interested at all in those things, arisedenver.com slash connect. Fill out the Serve Somewhere form, click local or global outreach, and we'll get you more info, even just to find out more. Make sure you do that. Today we are in our second message in our Better Than You Think series. If you missed message number one, you can always catch up. we got audio, video, we got transcripts. Go to arisedenver.com slash media. You can subscribe to make sure that it gets straight to your phone and your podcast app or on YouTube. And we want you to connect with those messages. And last week we talked about heaven, how heaven is way better than most people think. And today we're going to talk about salvation. I've titled my message, Climbing Everest. Climbing Everest. And um, I don't know a, a ton about Everest. You know, that's not really been my thing. But uh, a man named Paul Valen, we have his picture. Paul Valen had read some books about mountaineering as just a child. He heard about some of the people that were climbing Everest. So he made it his lifelong dream to climb Mount Everest. And uh, he, he still kind of thought it was a pipe dream. But when he entered into his 30s, he went uh, into Asia, and he was traveling around, met some people, met a guy who was a guide who had been to Everest and summited multiple times. He thought, maybe I could do this. So in 2013, he went to Nepal for the first time, and he tried out on some of the smaller peaks there in the nation of Nepal and, and went up to, to these peaks that are so high, and he thought, I could do this. I have a guide. I could do it. So in 2014, he decided he would make it his mission that year to climb Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. It's like two-thirds of the way through our atmosphere, 29,028 feet above sea level. Okay? That's kind of tall, in case you were wondering. That's more than like double our 14ers here in Colorado. It makes our mountains look like foothills. <laughs> So he made it his mission to do that. So he went in 24, uh, 2014, and he went finally to the base camp. It takes weeks just to make it to base camp, and you have to be there for a little while to acclimate. So he went in April of 2014, was acclimating to the weather, and one particularly difficult thing for him was that he had asthma. Okay, there's very little air at that high, so it takes a while to acclimate, but he's like, I'm going to do it. But there in 2014, they were waiting for the weather to get just right because there's only really a few days, a few weeks in the entire year where people can make it to the summit because the weather is so bad and so erratic with snowstorms and blizzards. But while they were waiting, there was uh, some hot weather, and it actually caused a big chunk of ice to fall off, a, a glacier to fall off the mountain and hit and, uh, and destroyed. It killed 13 um, people that were there. 13 people in base camp were killed before they even left base camp. 
And for Paul, it was like, oh my gosh, what, how, how can we do this? And in fact, the Nepalese government at that point said, no, 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 we're shutting down the mountain this year. Nobody is climbing to the top of Everest, and no one did in 2014. So he thought maybe his dreams were dashed, so he, he went back home and, and, and decided, hey, maybe I'll get a chance again. So he started training and training like you have to do, training, purchasing the gear, all that stuff to get ready to maybe go up the mountain again. Finally, he was contacted at the end of 2017 by that same guide, and he said, hey, 2018 is going to be my last year ever going up, so if you want to go, now's the time. So Paul decided on doing it. Going up Everest 2018. So he trained even more, trained harder. He, he prepared, he had all the gear. And when he got to the base camp in 2014, he was ready. He, he made sure that his breathing got acclimated to that low amount of oxygen, and they set out. So there's base camp, and then you go base camp, and you go up a few thousand more feet to, to camp two, and then you have to go up a few more thousand feet to camp three. And all this time, it is arduous, some of the most difficult climbing in the world. And there they were every day, day in and day out, going farther and farther, trying to acclimate to the air, especially, man, I can't imagine. That one uh, mountain, uh, one uh, climbing expert said that it's like breathing through a straw while you're running on a treadmill. That's how bad the oxygen is. And that's for people that don't have asthma. So Paul was working super hard, and finally, finally they made it to Camp 2, and then they set out for Camp 3. And on the way to Camp 3, one of his friends that was going with him died unexpectedly. And he didn't know if emotionally he could keep moving on, but he decided, I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to keep trying. And he finally made it to Camp 3. It took 15 hours uh, to make it there. And then to make it to Camp 4, I'm sorry, between Camp 3 and Camp 4 was 15 hours straight of climbing. No sleep. 15 hours straight. And they finally made it to Camp 4. And his guide said, we made it, but we have to go now to the summit. We have to go now. I know you've been climbing for 15 hours straight without sleeping at all, but we have to go. It's 8 p.m. at night, but we have to do it if we want a chance to make it to the summit tomorrow. So they started there in the middle of the night, climbing even harder in some of the coldest temperature in the mountain, and, and he's already gone 15 hours straight without sleeping, but he kept pushing himself for another seven hours straight. He finally made it to a, an area that has a big ledge where, where you can get a little bit of rest. So he sat down, and he was going to trade out one of the oxygen tanks he was using so he could breathe at that high of an altitude. And he felt his temperature just drop, and he looked, and his body temperature dropped by a few degrees in that moment. And that meant his fingers starting to tighten up, and then he could not even feel his fingers anymore. He thought, for sure, I'm going to have frostbite. I'm going to lose some of my fingers. I don't know if I can make it. So I don't have any energy left. He was exhausted. He was exhausted almost 24 hours straight now that they had been climbing this mountain. But then the sun rose, and they could see that they were just over 600 feet from the summit. So they pushed on. He summoned up some energy from the depths of his soul, and he pushed on climbing harder and harder just so he could make it to the summit. And after a lifetime of dreaming, after years of preparation, and even a failed attempt, and now five weeks he had been there, at, from base camp now to the summit, he reached summit at seven in the morning and was able to be one of only about 5,000 people who have made it to the to top of the tallest peak in the world. Pretty incredible, right? When we hear stories like that, we, we, we're amazed, we're in awe of people that can, can work that hard. And most of us were like, there's no way I could ever do it. And I think climbing Everest like that is how most of us think the Christian faith is like. <laughs> Honestly, we, we, we think about it and we look, hey, 
If I'm going to make it to the top, if I'm going to make it to have salvation, if I'm going to get to heaven like we talked about last week, I've got to work really hard. I've got to train. I've got to prepare. I've got to make sure that I can do it. I need to have give a really good guide who's been there before me to help me along. And even then, I think only a few people, a select group of people, can work hard enough, can read their Bible, can memorize scripture, can pray enough, meditate, give away their money. I don't know if I can do it. It's so hard. We, we see people that, that fall away. It just seems so difficult to make it to the top. And I think that's how most people think about the idea of salvation, that it's climbing Everest. Now, when we're going to talk about salvation today. We're going to talk specifically about what the Bible says about salvation. But the idea of salvation is really all around us. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you're religious or irreligious, no matter what your faith, there's always some sort of salvation that comes along with it. For Christians, it, it is making it to heaven. We, we would love to get in, right? We'd love to make it to that heaven, as we talked about last week, that's life as it was meant to be. That sounds great. But, but for other faiths, you know, it, it may be heaven or maybe a different type of heaven. Or it may be reaching nirvana, that finally you have made the place that you've escaped the cycle of rebirth. For people that aren't religious, they say, well, hey, you know, salvation is becoming that person I've always wanted to be, that I can find peace in myself and be totally happy. Everyone has some concept of salvation, and yet everyone, it seems, has this idea of salvation as climbing Everest. <laughs> Working hard, maybe I can make it, but really only a select few people can do it. I, I don't know if I can do it. That seems hard. It sounds difficult. I, I don't know if I have it in me. I don't have that reserve strength when I've been climbing for 24 hours to, to dig down deep. I don't know if I have it in me. And, and when we look at salvation like that, it, it's daunting. It's, it's terrible. And we think, man, there's no way I can make it to the end. You know, Buddha even said, it's reported that his last words, and there's a few different variations of it, but some of his last words were, work hard at your own salvation. That's what most people think, whether you're religious or not, is I've got to work hard for my salvation. And then I'll make it to the top of the mountain. But man, only a few people actually make it. But what I'm going to tell you today is that salvation is better than you think. That what we believe as followers of Jesus, what's taught here in our Bible, what Jesus proclaimed, what, what Paul, as we're going to see, the apostle proclaimed, is a truth. It's the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that salvation is not climbing Everest. It's not. It's so much better than that. So that's what we're talking about in this whole series. We're, we're seeing these things, these misconceptions that even Christians have about our faith. Last week, we saw that heaven, heaven is way better than you think. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be life as it was meant to be. Today, we're going to talk about salvation. Next week, we're going to talk about, well, it seems like Christianity is just a bunch of rules. Is it really like that? Is it really just a straitjacket to keep you from doing fun stuff? And then in the last week in this series, we're going to talk about um, how the, the church, because Christians are just viewed as like these hate-filled hypocrites that are stuck in the past. Is that really true? And to all these things, we're saying, no, 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 it's better than you think. And that's what we're going to see today with salvation. And actually, I misspoke. Next week, we have a special guest. He was the guy who taught me how to preach. It's pretty cool. I'm really excited that he's going to be here. So be here for that. He taught me how to preach. He taught Sawyer how to preach. He's the preacher, uh, teacher, preacher teacher at Denver Seminary. So be back for that. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be special. And then we'll be in the series uh, two weeks after that. But today, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about salvation, that it's not climbing Everest. But this is what most people think. So there are really um, a, a few different variations. There's three misconceptions, and then we're going to get to the right one here. There, there are a lot of different ideas about what it means to salvation climbing Everest. So I want to give you the first variation. This is the most common, is that salvation is, starts out with works. You've got to work really hard 
to start yourself on the path, start yourself climbing the mountain, and then you got to keep working hard, and then at the very end, you better be working hard. It works the whole way. That's what most people think of when they think of religion. Most people think of this when they think of Christianity. That it's just work, 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 and then maybe you'll make it to the top. So that's the first variation, and it's wrong. <laughs> the second one is, is a variation of this, is that you start working really, really hard, you work hard all your life, you be a really good person, and then at the very end, maybe God will give you some grace. Maybe he'll help you out to make it to the summit at the very end. There are religions that teach this. A lot of people think that's what Christianity teaches. You work really hard, maybe at the very end, God will be kind to you. But this too is wrong. This is not what the Bible teaches. The third variation has it in reverse, that maybe we start out our uh, climbing, that, that God forgives us of our sins. We had grace at the beginning. And once you have your sins, your past forgiven, now you have to work really hard. And you're going to work really hard, try to be a better person, a better person, and then if you keep doing that, maybe you'll make it in. So yeah, you, you can have your past forgiven, but your present and your future, you better work hard. So this is variation number three, and this too is wrong. Christianity does not teach this. This is not found in the Bible. Instead, it's this. Grace at the beginning, grace at the end, and grace everywhere in between. You guys tracking with me? <laughs> it's grace that says, yes, you do have a past. You have done some terrible things in your past. You have sinned. You have gone astray. You have not believed. There's grace for that. There's forgiveness for that. Your past can be removed from you. It says God takes our sins and puts them behind his back. He doesn't look at them anymore. He forgot our sins on purpose because he loves us. He has grace for us. And yet he has grace for us in every moment of our entire lives. And at the very end, it's still going to be grace that gets us in. And it's all along the way, too. This is what the good news of, G of Jesus Christ is. This is what the good news that we proclaim, that we believe, that it's at the center of everything we do here at this church. Is that it's grace at the beginning, grace in the middle, grace at the end. Grace every moment of your life, every minute of your life. And whatever you do, it's grace. Even when you think you're working hard, it's God's grace working in you. This is what we believe. It may feel like you're climbing a mountain, but really it's grace. And that's what we're going to see today from the passage we're looking at. We're really looking at two verses today. Two verses, and they're very simple verses. You can memorize these two verses. Everyone should, because this is really the heart of what we believe about salvation. So good. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 if you have a Bible. We have the verse up here as well. Uh, you can use the YouVersion Bible app as well. And in this passage, it's so rich, but it teaches this idea of grace. It's grace at the beginning, grace at the end. This is what salvation is. So I'm going to read it to you, and it says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's very simple. This is salvation. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, this is what Jesus proclaimed. This is what we believe. For it is by grace. Look at that first word. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. That's how it starts out. That's how it finishes. It's grace. You know what grace is? This is a simple way to remember it. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's an acronym, right? Pretty simple to remember. God's riches at Christ's expense. So God has riches. He says, I, I have abundance. I have everything. I created everything, and I have all sorts of stuff for you. I have riches. I have power, I have my Holy Spirit, and I want to give that to you, a gift, because Jesus Christ, his son, died on the cross. It was his expense. He paid in full what we receive as a gift. That's what grace is. 
Uh, Another way to think about grace is unearned favor or unearned goodness. God's saying, you don't earn it. You can't do anything to buy it. You can't even pay me back for it. It's at my expense. Here it is. Unmerited grace, unmerited favor, unmerited gifts. That's what grace is. And I say you can't pay him back because some of us foolishly think this. Oh, I'm so God, so glad God forgave my past. Hey, it's some bad stuff. I feel so bad about those things, and I'm glad he forgave me of those things. So I better work really hard to pay him back. But you could never pay God back. You could never pay him back. He, he, he gave you so much grace that it covers all your past, present, and future sins. He's not, he doesn't even say, you don't have to pay me back. It's a gift. All that you need to do is receive it. And that's the second thing I want you to notice in this passage forward is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith. Faith is believing in or, or trusting in someone. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're saying what he did was enough. We're trusting him. We're having faith in him. We're believing in him. And that's how we receive it. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. I, that I have this grace. So I'm receiving it. That's what faith is. That's it, right? That's pretty simple. But here's the thing. It's even better than this. Even better than this. You guys ready for a little Greek lesson today? Like two people ready for this. Okay. I want you to pay attention because some of you are like, Greek, Matt? It's Greek to me. Yes, I get it, okay? So I want you to focus and pay attention for just a minute. For it says, for you have been saved, and, and this is not from yourselves. That word this is very important here in the Greek. Because in English we read it and we say, well, this, it has to refer back to something, Right? And there's two things behind it. There's grace and there's faith. So does this from yourself, so what's this from God that we receive? Is it the grace or is it the faith? So who in here thinks it's the grace that we receive from God? We got some hands, yep, raising hands. Who thinks it's the faith we receive from God? A few hands, okay. You're both wrong. Here's the thing, this is the Greek lesson. Okay, pay attention. In Greek, there are masculine words, there are feminine words, just like some of you, you know, know Spanish or French. But in Greek, there's also neuter words. They're words that don't have a gender. And in a sentence, things have to line up. So whatever this is, whatever the gender of this refers back, and it's going to tell us which one of those it refers to, okay? Well, here's the thing. Grace is a feminine word. Faith, it's a feminine word too. So what is this? If it's feminine, then it could be either one, right? We're still lost. But what is this in Greek, actually a neuter word. So which one does it refer back to? It refers back to everything that comes before it. So what is this from God that's not from ourselves? The grace we receive, God's riches at Christ's expense, and the faith to even believe in Jesus. You catching me? When you receive this grace, this forgiveness, this power in your life, it's from God, it's not from yourself. But even your ability to believe in Jesus, to have faith and say, I do trust him, that is also a gift from God. You could not believe in him on your own. You can't say, oh, I'm so glad that I have faith when everyone else doubts. That I'm smart enough to figure out that the resurrection actually did happen, the only historical, viable, you know, verifiable event that is the center of any faith. We have that. We can look at the evidence. Okay, I'm smart enough to figure that out. I'm smart enough to realize I want to be in heaven and not in hell. But even that ability to believe was gifted to you by God. That's what this passage teaches us. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can 
boast. This is important. So Martin Luther, the great reformer, this is what he wrote. So then, have we nothing to do for our own salvation? Have we nothing to do? No, nothing at all, for this righteousness comes by doing nothing. You don't have to do anything, and even the ability to believe is a gift from God. You are saved entirely because of God and what he did on the cross through Jesus Christ, not because of anything that you can or ever will do. So, so let's think about the mountain, okay? Climbing Everest. Well, it still feels like a mountain. It's still hard work. I have to do good stuff. I'm serving, okay, all this stuff. Oh, there's storms in life too, right? There's storms that knock us off that feel like terrible blizzards and I want to give up. I don't have faith anymore. We see people that, that fall off the mountain. They can't make it. And we see that all around us. It feels like Everest sometimes. But here's the reality. Here's the reality, and this is our big idea. Salvation isn't climbing Everest. It's getting carried the whole way. It may feel like it. Oh, we went so high up. Man, we did so much. But you're getting carried the entire way, every step, every minute, every moment. Anybody here like to hike? Have we got some hikers in here? It's getting that season, right? Any of you guys already gotten a hike in? If you already have, I want to see some pictures online, okay? Send me some pictures. Well, we, we love hiking, and we're getting ready for our hiking season, but uh, Melissa and I have three little kids, two of them that are toddlers, can't hike very far, right? So what do we get? Well, we have a couple of these now, right? You guys seen these? These are backpacks that are carrying backpacks, okay? Anybody have one of these? We have two of them now because <laughs> we got twins, we got to carry these babies. And, and I have a, a couple pictures that I want to show you. This is a picture from last summer carrying uh, my son Kanan. Uh, we were over in the Morrison area on a hike. And the next photo, this, this allows uh, our whole family to go on hikes, right? Kinley can, you know, she has to walk a little bit, right? It's kind of rough for her. But she did it. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to do. We're, we're getting excited for some new hikes this season. I have one more photo, too. That's my daughter McKinley at nine months. I think we were up in Silverthorne area hiking. And it was such a hard hike for her, right? But she fell asleep. She made it all the way to the peak and back. Worked so hard, right? And the whole time she was getting carried. That's how our faith is, okay? We're in the backpack. We're in the backpack, okay? <laughs> we think we're carrying the load. But God is carrying us. That's what's really going on. See, the grace is, is the fact that he's willing to carry us, and the faith is like the backpack itself. <laughs> We're like, okay, look at my, my faith. I'm, I'm holding on so hard. No, no, no. You're just resting in the back. You're getting carried the whole way. We even look at it and think, oh my gosh, I went through the worst storms of my life. They were so hard, and they are. We talk about how hard storms are at this church. There's suffering. There are tragedies in our life. There are difficulties. But even through the worst storms, we are getting carried by God. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this, all of it, is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. That's why we say it's grace at the beginning. Forgive you of your sins. It's grace along every minute of the route. And it's grace at the end. It's only grace that salvation is in the Christian faith. That's what we believe. And this is radical for some of us. Because we think... We're the ones carrying the load. Oh, it's so hard. No, 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 no. You are getting carried the whole way. This is what we believe. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You get carried. 
So what does this mean for us? The first thing, we should be incredibly grateful. Do you realize how thankful we can be because of this? If, if your sins are, are taken away because of nothing you have done, if you have the power to live every moment of your life to follow Jesus, and then at the end, when you go through the worst trials, because we go through the worst trials at the end of our lives, it's going to be hard. Our bodies are going to break down. There will be pain, and then we will face death. But at every moment of the way, it's God's grace that carries you further and further and further until you do reach heaven. You realize that? We should be so thankful for this. This should make our hearts leap for joy. If we're already believers, we should say, wow, wow, I didn't deserve any of this. I didn't earn any of this. I couldn't pay him back. It's all the grace of God. This should make our hearts leap for joy and want to worship him. When we come on Sunday, we come together to worship. And then throughout the weeks, we can be thankful to God at every moment. Wow, I'm so glad he forgave me of that. I'm so glad that even though I've fallen down right now and I don't have the grace to believe, God will pick me up again and carry me again. He has grace for me in every moment of every day. No matter how many times we fall or fall away, God says, come, come again, I want to carry you. That should have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. So that's the first thing that this should change in our life, that we should be thankful. Second thing, we should be incredibly humble people. Think about it. If, if to even start your journey, God had to give you grace to forgive your past, to continue your journey, it was God's strength kind of carrying you along the whole way. And if at the very end it's going to be him pushing you over the finish line, make it to the, to the peak, we should be so humble. We didn't do it. We're not even smart enough on our own to choose God. He chose us. He saved us. Okay, get this. God didn't save you because you're good. He didn't even save you because you will be good. He saved you because he is good. No, I'm, I'm serious. He didn't save you because you're good, because you weren't. He didn't save you because you will be good, all the good things that you will do and serve him. No, no, no. He saved you because he is good. You could never pay him back for what he's done for you. I love this. In, in, in the Bible, I read this a, a few weeks ago in my uh, morning devotions in Deuteronomy chapter 9, and this verse just like popped out at me, and I want you to see this. He's talking to the Israelites here, his chosen people, and he says, you must recognize that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land because you are good. For you are not. You are a stubborn people. God's saying, I chose you not because you're good. You're still not good. You're stubborn. You're sinful. You complain about going into the promised land. I'm giving you this because I am good. And that's how God is. He doesn't even save us because of all the good things we will do to serve people and change the world. No, no, no. He saves us because he is good. Because he is good. So we should therefore be very, very humble. We can't have pride about anything. We can't have pride about the good things we do because it's God's power working in us to do it. When we serve someone, we know it's his Holy Spirit that empowers us to serve. When we give money, we know that he gave us everything that we have. How could we not respond? With generosity. And, and, and even at the beginning when we say, wow, I was smart enough to believe. No, 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 you weren't smart enough. God gave you the gift to believe. He empowered you to believe. That's what the scriptures teach us. It's not because we're good. So we should be so humble, right? And we shouldn't look down on people that are outside our faith and they think, wow, how could they be so foolish? How could they go astray? No, no. We have compassion on them and love them and want them to come in. Not Because we haven't figured it out. We're not like the smartest people in the world. God gave us the gift of faith. 
That's incredible. So we should be the most humble people on the planet. God carries us to the top because he's good, not because we are. So that's, that's the third thing, or the second thing, we should be humble. Here's the third thing, too. We should also be extremely confident. We should be extremely confident. Humble, being humble doesn't mean you're not confident. We should be humble and extremely confident. Because if it was not us at the beginning that started, God gave us the gift of faith. If we continue on our hard work of this Christian life because God empowers us and we make it to the end because God is gracious to us, we should be confident to say, hey, nothing I can do can mess this up. When I sin again, there's grace for me and forgiveness for me, and I can start again. When I doubt, God can help me again. I should be confident in everything because God saves us. It's grace the whole way up the mountain to the peak. We should be so confident as people. I, I love this. Lisa Turkur said um, that God's love d- isn't based on you. It's placed on you. He, he, place, he loves us. He chooses us. He gives us grace. So we can be confident. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to mess it up. God knows me. He knows my future. He has grace for me at every moment of every day till I stop breathing. We should be confident in our lives to move ahead in faith and following after him. Third thing is confidence, right? But here's the fourth thing, and this is the most important thing. We need to accept this gift. You think, well, doesn't God give the gift of faith? Yes, but he stirs in our hearts, and I know some of you are hearing this maybe for the first time, maybe finally understanding the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You're like, I always thought it was works. I always thought it was one of those three variations we talked about, okay? But maybe for the first time you're understanding this. You need to accept it. And as God is stirring in your heart, some of you are like, that sounds really good. I want it to be true. That's God giving you the gift of faith right now. He's stirring your heart to believe. And it's time to respond and receive that gift and accept it. So so this is so important why why I'm saying this. Because I know that there are some of you who have never grasped it till maybe this moment. And I'm saying this to people that have maybe gone to church their whole life been to Christian school, went to Christian college, some have even gone to seminary, got into ministry and didn't understand this. They thought, I need to work hard and that's why I'm doing all these things. I need to be a better person. I need to serve and I need to give so that I can earn my salvation. No, 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 no. You need to accept this gift. When I was preaching in in my church in Nebraska, I was there five and a half years. And and I think it was like year three or four I was there. And and there was one Sunday I I preached on, on this message of grace. What the Bible actually teaches us. And there were two 70-year-olds gone to church their whole life, 70-plus years. And they accepted Christ for the first time. Because you can think it's works, 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 but it's not. You've got to receive the gift of grace that comes only in Jesus Christ. It's grace at the beginning, grace at the end. So I'm, I'm pleading with some of you. Open up your mind to understand that this is what we believe. This is the gospel. Salvation is not climbing Everest. It's getting carried the entire way by someone else, by God himself, through Jesus Christ. So I'm saying this because some of you need to accept this gift today, to receive it, to have your sins forgiven, but then to have a grace that empowers you every moment of your life and will be there at the very end because we're going to be like, man, I, I can't make it to the top. You can't. But God will carry you. He is faithful. He will do it. So I just want to give an opportunity right now to respond in faith. And that's what we do. We have a sinner's prayer that we, we pray at the end of every one of our services here so that people can maybe for the first time accept this gift 
of grace. And some of you need to do it. Some of you are watching online. So what we do is we have everyone close their eyes. And I know some, a lot of you are believers in Jesus Christ already. I want you to say this prayer out loud, repeating it after me, to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. And there are some of you who need to say this prayer and accept this grace from Jesus Christ for the first time. So you're going to declare that Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart, Jesus Lord, and declare with your mouth, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So please repeat this prayer after me, in person and online. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. I receive your grace. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you until I reach heaven. Now with eyes closed still, everybody's eyes is closed. If, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, you received this gospel of grace for the first time into your heart. Would you please slip your hand into the air? I want to just be able to encourage you and pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. If you can, go to risedenver.com slash connect. There's a button that says, I decided to follow Jesus. Press that button. Fill it out. I have a gift that I want to send to you. Just want to encourage you on this journey because God will do it. He will bring you through. He will bring you all the way to the end through his grace. Let's pray for everyone. Lord God, I just pray a blessing on every man, woman, and child in this building, online, anyone who can hear my voice. Lord God, I pray that they would realize that it's grace that saved them from the beginning, and it's grace that brings them every single step of the way. Their entire salvation is through your grace. Because of that, Lord God, we are incredibly thankful. We worship you, and we're grateful. We're also humbled because we know we didn't do this on our own. We are so humble, but we also have a confidence in you. And we're so grateful that you saved us, not because of anything in us, not because we're good or we're going to be good, but because you are good. And Lord God, we accept that gift again. Accept that gift of grace. Help us walk in that grace, live in that grace, lay our burdens down, and realize that you are carrying us at every moment of every day, through every storm, until we reach heaven. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we, in thankfulness, in gratitude, worship our good, good Father.